Well, everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. It is currently February 2nd. We are as close to Daytona as we have ever been, but we're as far away as we're ever going to be again. So if you needed any sort of daily motivation, consider that. This is as far as we will be from Daytona ever again until next season. But we're getting closer by the second to this big race, and it's going to be... It's going to be interesting. I'm excited for this upcoming season. It's We've just gotten through the tire test at Las Vegas, and there's been a lot of back and forth about the the true results of it, I should say, what it really showed for uh, for everybody. What seemed to be the common thread, though, is that people are on one side or the other. It's either this package is great or this package is terrible. So both sides seem to have their arguments, and... Quite frankly, it's it's a hard one to say unbiased on. You have Jeff Gluck really trying to hold the middle, and I props to him. Matt Weaver's trying to hold the middle. Props to him as well, but it's it is tough to do. Because a lot of people are uh they're very fired up about this because they hear that horsepower is being reduced and they're not too happy about it. But can you really blame them? Like that's the whole point. And so some of the more notable things coming out of this tire test was that the Xfinity cars were faster than the Cup cars. The Xfinity cars were faster than the Cup cars. And these Cup drivers were, for I believe it was six to seven laps, the first six or seven laps on tires, were just flat out, full speed, never letting off the throttle. And it was pack racing. So for Atlanta Motor Speedway, we can expect pack racing. Las Vegas, pack racing. What drivers have said, Clint Boyer uh, is the first person that comes to mind, that they said that they're not really, you're not really going to pass anybody unless they let you buy. But what's the benefit to letting someone buy, you know, because you won't be able to ever get past them now? It's really going to be something else to see that these cup cars are slower than the Xfinity cars. It takes a lot less skill to drive them. However, on the other end, you have to consider these things are easier to drive now, so it almost makes it more difficult to be better than everybody else. The closer you come to getting all these cars equalized and the harder it is to pass, the harder it is to win the race, you know. Or can we expect a lot of people just staying out front the entire race? And uh, if the let's say the cautions fall right, is it reasonable to believe that someone could just sit out and first the entire time? Yeah. But don't we already see that already? Is that really going to take away from any of the racing? Well, that's yet to be seen. The drivers seem to be on the fence about it. Most of them leaning towards this is a little uh, little easy to drive, which, as you can imagine, is frustrating to them. They've worked their entire lives. They've spent countless amounts of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars on racing so that they could continue racing. And now all of a sudden, these cars are easy to drive. They've been working their entire lives for the challenge of driving at the top level in the world. And they get this. And so they end up disappointed. And where does that leave everybody else? Well, the Xfinity drivers are are happy. They're now going faster. They keep their package from last year. And granted, this isn't for every track. But it really does say a lot that... They've really almost been 
forgotten the cup guys, the cup drivers, in favor of bringing in more people, more ratings. So, and I remember I've mentioned this before, but having a conversation with Matt Weaver and one of the NASCAR executives, and what the NASCAR exec said was, I, I could not care less if Brad Keselowski, and he, he used Brad's name, he said, if Brad Keselowski is on me every weekend in the garage saying how much he hates the package. If it's bringing people closer together and it's better racing, then why should I care? And that makes sense from a business perspective. The people that they need to make happiest the most is the fans so that more fans come in and, you know, we don't have tracks tearing out seats so that it doesn't look less, so that it looks less abandoned, excuse me. That's sort of concerning that tracks are removing seats so that it doesn't look as empty when these places used to be packed. This could be part of just a natural, you know, flow of more fans, less fans, more fans, less fans. And it's it's a hard time for the sport. In the past couple of years, you've lost most of the big-name guys, Tony Stewart, Jeff Gordon, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And in the near future, Kevin Harvick, you know, probably in the next five to ten years, you're going to lose Kevin Harvick. Jimmy Johnson, probably Clint Boyer, and a lot of the other staple names that make NASCAR NASCAR. Who really knows what's going to be coming up in the sport? It's it's getting very it's it's a time of change, and I I don't think anyone can can really argue that. I I haven't seen anyone saying, "Well, things are really stagnant right now. Nothing's changing. This is boring." You know, there's so much change going on and People hate change. The fans tend to to hate change, and can you really blame them? You you've gotten so used to this incredible racing product, you know, and it's advertised as the the biggest, baddest, greatest drivers, you know, you'll ever see. Going and battling it out, forty. I almost said forty three, but that's a bit outdated. Forty of the best drivers in the world going out and battling for win for one top finishing position, battling to be the first person to the line. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. And they're doing this at 750 horsepower, but, well, not really, because now we're cutting the horsepower down, more restrictive plates, and more pack racing. Is it going to be exciting to watch pack racing at Daytona and Talladega? Yes, absolutely. Watching cars inches away from each other at 200 miles an hour is incredible. It is one of the coolest things in the world, I honestly think. Is watching them at maybe 180 at Las Vegas cool? Yeah, kinda. It's, it's you know, the racing is notorious at those, you know, larger tracks, Las Vegas, Atlanta, and all that. Because you would take those cars and you would dive them into the corner and you'd get a big run coming off and then it'd be a battle for position. And you would have to fight to hold it off while still managing your tires, while still maintaining your position and all your equipment. And you also got to not wreck the other guy or yourself. And you got to do that for a couple hundred laps. That's pretty incredible. But if you're just sitting on the bumper of the guy in front of you, like it's Daytona, when you're on a track where the speeds aren't as high and it's just not quite the same, I'm not really sure how people are going to react. We tried this this package or something similar to it at the All-Star race last year, and people love the racing. But 
it seemed like that was because it was a small dose. All of a sudden, hey, this is something new we're trying. Like, how do you guys like this? And people loved it. It was something new. The racing was great. And now that it's been committed to full, well, not full time, but for most of the races, people are a little more hesitant going, wait, I don't want to see this every week. Like, give us something new, something more interesting. Some Give us better racing without sacrificing speed and horsepower. Don't make the cars easy to drive. What concerns me the most, as I've said earlier in this episode and said many times before, those guys have worked their entire lives to reach the point that they're at and be the best racers in the world. They want a challenging car to drive. Corey LaJoy, I had a conversation with him about this. He doesn't want an easy car to drive. He wants something that's hard to drive, it's a blast to be behind the wheel of it, and overall, he can climb out of the car at the end of the day and go, I could not have driven that any better. I gave, I did everything I could to make that car reach its max potential. And to sort of climb out and not have to put any effort in to, to do that, to maximize the the car, it's it's going to rub a lot of people the wrong way. And to now have the drivers saying, well, it's okay. I'm on, I'm staying full throttle all the way around the track for multiple laps. It's, it's going to off put some fans. And the theory is that more fans will come in because the racing will be better. And once they see the racing that they have, where it's all close and everyone's fighting, you know, bumper to bumper, like Talladega and Daytona, that the fans will stay. However, if I turn on, you know, if I turn on football or baseball and let's say now with with baseball, the MLB, they change the diameter of the bat and they make the bat larger. Right. And it's noticeably larger. What? 750 to 500 horsepower. It's a yeah, it's a decent amount. That's a 33 percent change. So let's say they make MLB bats 33 percent larger. Well, it's a lot easier to hit the ball, right? You've got more surface area with the bat. And the batters are going to be saying, well, it's a lot easier to hit. It's different. It's something new. And we're changing things, but are we changing them in the right direction? Would you want to go to a baseball game where every single time the ball's hit, it's a home run? Probably not. Do you want to go to a race and every single race is pack racing like Daytona and Talladega? Probably not. It's very new. It's strange. It's gutsy of them to make such a such a big change and have limited testing on it with trying it out at the All-Star race, making some adjustments, changing things up, and then debuting it now with this test at Las Vegas where there's a whole whole other, you know, can of worms to open with how they broadcasted the tests, but I think I think they did a good job personally. People were complaining that the that there wasn't really any commentary and that there was one camera set up. However, it's a preseason test. We're not gonna have Fox Sports coming in and, you know, broadcasting the whole thing. Different camera angles. You got Jeff Gordon up in the booth announcing it. Yeah, probably not. Jeff Gluck uh live scoped it on Twitter and as a side note, for all these guys that I that I mentioned, the other journalists that you know I work, I have had the pleasure of working with before, and that I 
I sort of look up to Jeff Gluck, Bob Pachris, who just got picked up by Fox after ESPN left, or ESPN really forced him to leave. Um, Matt Weaver, those are guys that you should really go and follow. If you want more insight into the sport than what I can give, because those guys have been doing it for years longer than I've been alive, it seems, yeah, definitely go to them. Um, But as I've said many times before on this show, we can sit and speculate nonstop the entire time, really, and get nowhere. Speculation is... It's an uphill battle where it's you can never stop speculating. You can just keep going and going and going. So looking at the actual state of the sport, things we can, you know, I guess confirm and look at. What we do know is the cup cars are slower than the Xfinity cars. That is without a doubt true. That's for, for the tracks where the new aero package is being run in the cup cars, the Xfinity cars are faster. Is the racing better? Possibly, maybe, maybe not. People are comparing the cup racing to truck racing, where the guys are a lot closer together and it's uh, it's harder to get those big jumps ahead. And if you think about it that way, the truck series is popular among its core fans, but how many people will go and watch the truck race? If it happens to be on TV, they might watch for a couple minutes, but if you ask someone named... 10 truck series drivers, 10 regular cup se- uh, truck series drivers, they're probably going to struggle with it. Versus if you say, name 10 cup drivers, oh, well, you got Eric Almarola, Kevin Harvick, uh, William Byron, you know, they could probably rattle off names like there's no tomorrow. They could probably name all 40 guys in the field if you gave them enough time and all that. But I, it, am I saying that cup racing is going to become as quote-unquote obscure if that's the correct word to use as the truck series as little watched as unfortunately the truck series is now cup racing is always going to be the most watched and then unfortunately people just aren't going to watch the truck and xfinity as much as they should if you want real high quality racing go watch the truck series because those guys are giving it everything they have to try and make a name for themselves and be a better driver so that they can go race in the cup and have, you know, the ability to run those cup cars every week. Now, are they doing that because the cup cars are better and more fun? Maybe. Are they doing it because it's the top level of racing and that's the hardest car in the world to to drive competitively and racing with the best guys in the world? Yeah, absolutely. And taking that away with this new aero package could be dangerous. It's going to be very interesting to see and i say that a lot it's going to be interesting to see and that's because we really haven't seen it yet it's hard running a radio show in the off season where all we get is tire tests on occasion and all i can do is speculate and wonder what's going to happen next but who knows it could if at the end of the season it is one of the best seasons i've ever watched i will be the first person to say i was wrong this racing is unbelievable these guys are loving it they are killing it out there this is the best racing i've ever seen I'll say that. I'll be the first person to. But until then, my concern is the drivers not loving the cars they're driving will have them put less into it. I could be wrong. It could end up being the case that now that these cars are so close to being equal to each other, now these guys are driving it even harder, more competitively, and trying to get even more out of the cars. Ryan Priest put it really well when he said essentially that the harder it is 
to pass in those cars, the harder they need, you know, the harder the drivers need to drive it in order to win. That's going to lead to some good racing because at the end of the day, those guys are out there to win. Every single one of them, from the guys in the subpar equipment to the guys driving the most expensive, biggest, baddest engines you can possibly imagine, they all want the same thing to win. Only one of them can do it, and 39 other guys are going to be disappointed at the end of the day. But until they reach that final lap, they're going to be fighting like crazy in order to win. In other NASCAR news, as I mentioned before, Bob Pachris, who was notified by ESPN late last season that he'd be laid off, has been picked up by Fox. Also, what's extremely interesting is jski.com, one of the really first internet sources for NASCAR news, which was owned by ESPN, is now going to be shut down. Well, it it is shut down. They gave us pretty much one day's notice and said, well, this is our last day. Bye, everyone. Thanks for a great time. And really couldn't say much, which is disappointing because I remember using jski.com for my sources of information. It was just a great, great place to, to find paint schemes and stats and data and everything else. But... That's, I guess that's evolution for you. The more things change, sometimes the things you're familiar with go. In even more NASCAR-related news, as I mentioned earlier, Daytona's coming up. They will be running the old package from last year at Daytona, so no worries. It's going to be just as crazy and intense as ever, and everyone's still going to have a shot to win the Daytona 500. Um, The NASCAR Hall of Fame has completed its recent inductees. Most, I guess what's getting the most attention really is Jeff Gordon. I've seen probably solid 60% of stuff, 70% of stuff being Jeff Gordon related, and then 30% other inductees, which uh, on a personal level, a biased level, I love to see that. I grew up watching Jeff Gordon. He is my all-time favorite driver. I absolutely would not be where I am today, wouldn't be interested in racing, wouldn't be running a race team here or working as a freelance journalist with NASCAR podcast. I wouldn't have any of that if I hadn't like started watching Jeff Gordon and being really amazed by him. And maybe another driver would have taken that spot, but I, I like to think personally that, that Jeff Gordon is what really, he really got me into the sport and is single-handedly one of the most influential people in the sports history and it's it's hard to argue that one of the more incredible things i saw was an interview he did he showed this video at his induction ceremony of when he was 19 uh, a reporter asked him how he wanted to be remembered and usually that question gets asked to people who are already out of the sport they you know they've already retired or, or what have you and he said i just want to be remembered up as one of the greatest cup um Winston, because it was Winston Cup at the time, one of the greatest Winston Cup drivers of all time. I want to be up there with Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, and all those guys. And that's exactly where he is. He is remembered as one of the greatest of all time. And I don't know if you if you do follow me on Twitter at Bottled Up Radio. What would be great to see is just some of your favorite. Jeff Gordon memories, uh, some of his favorite wins, or maybe not even wins, just favorite memories of the guy. Um, And I guess any of the Hall of Fame inductees, if you tweet them at me, I'm not going to be upset. But personally, I can talk about Jeff Gordon all day. I'm still 
working as hard as I can to try and get him on the show. That is the ultimate end goal is to have Jeff Gordon on the show. But it's hard to find, you know, hard to find the right people to talk to to get someone of that high caliber on the show. And I've had Ray Evernham on, and I was sort of a really, really a lucky run-in on the internet finding the right people at the right time to make that happen. But it would be incredible to have Jeff Gordon on the show. So if you happen to know his PR person, let me know in any way you possibly can, because I would absolutely love to have him on the show. However, again, I could go on all day about Jeff Gordon or, you know, theorizing things or speculating on whatever. But until then, this has been another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. It's it's pretty crazy to think that well over a thousand times people have hit the play button on this podcast, and it's sort of just a guy in the basement of his dorm who wandered into a radio studio a little over a year ago now has people listening to him ramble on for about 20 to 25 minutes a week or rambling on with drivers and having them on. You guys just sort of listen in and and hear, I guess, my take on, on the sport, someone who's hoping to work in the sport in the near future, and I, I genuinely really do appreciate it. So keep listening if you're enjoying it. Leave ratings and reviews on, on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. Tweet at me. Let me know what you do want to hear, what you don't want to hear, what you like, you don't like, anything else. I'm... I'm a grown-up. I'm I'm 20 years old. I can take criticism, so if you've got something you do or don't like, let me know. But thank you again so much to all of you for listening. This has been another episode of the Bottled Up Podcast.